Welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. Today, I'm sitting down with Carl Ratcliffe, founder of This Is The Day. In fact, a brand new founder. A brand new founder, indeed. Welcome, Carl. Thank you very much. It's very good to be here and uh, thanks for inviting me. This is the day. Yes. Well, this is the day to record a podcast, but beyond (laughs) that, what else is this is the day for? What's it for? Yeah. It's for it's it's something that I have always wanted to set up, which is um, a creatively led, creatively minded, um, creatively spirited consultancy that has the capacity to pull in other strategists and other thought leaders and other practitioners to answer problems for businesses and brands. And it's not, you know, I won't exclusively be doing this is the day moving forward. I will be doing a number of other things as well. But this is the this is the day, a bit of a mouthful, will become, is the first kind of cab off the rank. So uh, it's not uh, a homily to the famous hymn of the same <laughs> name. It's actually a, well, in some ways, the A-team of creativity. Is that? Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe a, a, the A-team of, of creative thinking and strategic approach, yeah. I think the best creative, the best strategy tends to be problem biased. It, it looks to articulate the problem and then looks to solve that problem. So it'll be that, it'll be oriented in that way. And I think this this is the day is not, is not is no sort of um, reference to, to, to the Bible or to um, the hymn. It's actually a the, the song for those of you that like your music and it's a great tune it's got that's about it so it's this is the day it's just a good name i thought so you've already selected your on hold music for yes. all those phone calls Absolutely. that come in yes yes it's interesting though isn't it because i think the advertising industry has a very narrow uh focus yes it does on the word of creativity it does yeah it does. because it almost exclusively feels like it means coming up with a message or a commercial yeah, or does. a story yeah. or an ad or something, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I think advertising agencies are rather slavish around that word, aren't they? Uh, they talk a lot about creativity, but really, for the most part, they're talking about adverts or advertising or, or, or some sort of communication or message rather than the broader sense uh, of creativity, which is interesting also because if you look at Australia as a, as a, as a nation, as a culture, it's extremely resourceful, extremely creative, outside of the realm of marketing, outside of the realm of advertising. Um, so whether that's music, whether that's film, whether that's cultural arts, whether that's you know, theatre, it's a very, very creative place. Um, and when you get into the realm of marketing, that seems to wither and kind of often disappear. Um, so this is the day wants to try and bring that creativity that's in culture, that's in the context in which we live, it wants to bring it into marketing more thoroughly. Carl, do you think part of this is because of the structure of agencies? Because I often think that where you have an organisation that says, over here is our creative department, that you've automatically said that the rest of the organisation isn't that. Yes, I think think that's um, absolutely right. I think the notion that someone is called a creative and someone else isn't is is, is incredibly old-fashioned. I think 
creativity can be at its best when it's integrated, when lots of different people are delivering or thinking about a creative solution. So the old kind of the, the big corporate agencies that continue to have separate departments, that continue to not integrate in a meaningful way, are, are kind of behind the eight ball, I think. Because yeah, I remember when I was a creative, in yes. quotes, yes. Um, some of the best ideas came from you know the account director or the uh, receptionist or yeah. even the TV producer yeah. Yeah. would often say, hey, what about this? Yes. Yeah. And you go, and, and I would say to people, being a creative director is the ability to spot a great creative idea absolutely. more than necessarily having one yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It's like being it's the, the old sort of... Um, the old notion of the football manager being a great manager, but not necessarily a great player. Mm. It's exactly the same, I think. I think, and that comes with when you're running an agency as well. You have to have the ability to see and recognise good ideas, and then bring them to bring them to bear and bring them into the room. And yet, almost all creative directors are appointed because of their body of award-winning work. Yeah, that's right. For being recognised as great practitioners. Yeah. And, and rather than being selected for being great directors of creativity. Yeah, that's right. I think practitioners don't necessarily make great managers and vice versa. Um, and managing and optimising um, creativity is, is, a difficult, is a difficult thing. It's a difficult mm. task. And just because you are very good at it um, in terms of practising it doesn't mean you're going to be great at marshalling it and um, brokering opportunity and even selling it. I've known great creatives who are shit when it, you know, when it comes to selling work mm. and they need someone else to kind of articulate it, mm. which is sometimes the role of strategy actually, to help kind of create um, uh, an articulation or a definition of the idea that perhaps the creative person or individual involved hasn't necessarily seen. Well, and, and one of the things I really appreciate is at the very start of this conversation, yeah. you talked about uh, this is the day being the uh, you know, a creative yes. resource or a creative. Yes. And then you talked about strategy because, yes. you know, some people even think that creativity and strategy are quite separate. Yes. But the two are the same, aren't they? Yeah, no I, th I think so. And certainly you're exercising a very similar part of your brain for sure. Um, so it's, um, it's you're exercising a very... Um, similar part of your brain, aren't you? I think the two are absolutely related. Um, and to think strategically is to imagine creatively. And, and again, vice versa, the two are absolutely related. And, and, and good creatives in a traditional agency will be super strategic. Like one of the best creatives I've ever worked with in, in, in Australia, she, um, Pia Chowdhury is her name. Um, she's a wonderful creative, but she was super strategic. So you'd have these incredible conversations with her. Um, and uh, you would bounce back and forth. And you were part of her creative process and she was part of your strategic process. And I think that link between creativity and, and thinking uh, or strategically, is, it's, it's, it's an open, it should be an open kind of corridor. Yeah, because, I mean, I know a lot of great strategists yeah. that are also incredibly creative. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Creative in their thinking. They yes. wouldn't sit down and start to dare write an ad. no. But they're creative in their approach to the way they work on strategy. Yeah, that's right. I think there's an old sort of traditional view, isn't there, that strategy, um, let's say, let's take the creative brief, for example, which in and of itself is quite an old-fashioned thing, um, but has its uses. Um, there's a view that the creative brief shouldn't go anywhere near the idea and that it should um, be as far away from the creative idea 
as it's possible. But in actual fact, I think if you develop a very strong relationship with a set of individuals between strategy or planners and creatives, it doesn't really matter about, about that. It doesn't really matter about the creative brief and all of that nonsense. Well, I remember working with a, uh, a creative who became a strategist, Martin Carafa. Oh, yeah. yeah. And his attitude was it was his job <laughs> to get as close to or the best possible uh, creative expression of the problem. Mm -hmm. Because then he said, it's your job as the creative to improve upon it. Yes. Yeah. So that it gave him permission to use in many ways many of the, you know, the analytical skills of the strategist, but also the creative skills of the strategist. Yeah, yeah. To get the brief to the point of it became a challenge. Here is an expression. Yep. That you could almost, you know, the number of times you see ads and you go, oh, my God, they've put the strategy yes, proposition yes, up yes, on it's the, showing. as, as yes, the headline. Yes. Well, he, he said that's perfectly fine. That just meant that the creatives didn't take it further. Yes, yeah. So Which is to, an interesting approach, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think because then they're, they're having to build, aren't they, on, on, on high ground already. I mean, arguably, great creative is standing on the shoulders of great thinking. Mm. Um Having said that, I've also seen great work that you know, there's no kind of strategic insight in it at all, you know, but it's still great. Yeah. Um, I don't think you have to have great thinking to produce great work, um, but I do think you have, to, um, you have to be able to lean in and embrace kind of original thoughts and original ideas. And whether you're a strategist or a creative, you've got to accept that originality is probably the best place to aim these days. Mm. And again, that's what This Is The Day is about. Um, it's about um, trying to devise um, better articulation around problems, um, and it's trying to uh, come up with more original thoughts and inputs to make that process between strategy and creative more dynamic and more of an obvious kind of conduit. Um, and so we'll, you know, we'll look to work with all sorts of folk moving forward, whether that's agencies or um, clients, you know, we we we'll want to try and help um, Australian marketing kind of get better, I suppose, mm. or even better. See, it's interesting the timing of this because yes. what we've seen in the last five years is a big move of the major consulting firms and accounting firms that do consulting yes. into the marketing space. Yes, you have. And so, what they've bought is uh, analytical muscle. Yes and research and, and the like that, you know, a lot of agencies would struggle to match. Yes, they would. But the the difficulty for them because of the culture of those organisations is actually to go into the next stage, which is the innovation, the, the creative component. Mm -hmm. Because when you've got a culture that's very much data, yeah. insight, fact-driven, mm -hmm. to then leap, do that quantum leap into creating, it must be incredibly difficult. I mean, could you see a role with This Is The Day almost working with those organisations to provide the creative uh, thinking and thoughts? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, you, one wouldn't say no to anything like that. It sounds, it, it's, it's, it's an opportunity to let creativity do the hard work. And it's, I think, great creative thinking, original thought, when it's properly articulated and properly expressed, um, works wonders. It works very hard um, in a commercial sense. So, yeah, absolutely, we'd, we'd want to work with people like that.
So just to take you back a bit, yep. because you've worked both client side, yes. you've worked agency side, yes. and not just agency side, you also ran a PR company, yes. didn't yes, you? One did. Green Bean. I did. And I've got a special love for One Green Bean, uh, and I've got a special affection for earned and owned media and, and, and kind of ideas that garner attention, because I think those are the ideas that are very special. Those are the ideas that travel well. Well, before we get on to that, yes. what I do want to ask you is, do you see the same type of segmentation of creativity separate in, in PR firms that you see in agencies? Oh, or not the at PR all. Term, a PR firm's more likely to integrate yeah. ideation into the whole organisation. Yeah, absolutely. There's far less ego. There's far less structure. And also PR accounts or scopes of work are far you know, are less in terms of dollar. So you're going to have, there's far more collab, far more kind of integration and far more, you know, kind of there's an ethic of get shit done, I think, in most good PR agencies. Um, and in fact, good PR agencies are no longer just PR. They're doing all sorts of integrated, um, integrated, um, uh, offering integrated work and solutions. So a good PR agency will be able to take that kind of creative muscle, that, um integrate that that sort of um uh, what i'm looking for um it's very good at kind of collaborating and it's very mm. good at kind of working with us it will take that muscle and it will apply it to social it will apply it to creative content it will apply it to kind of wherever that um muscle is needed and wherever clients are prepared to pay for it and they're also inclined to and this is my experience they're happy to pick up an idea yeah from, that's created somewhere else without treating it like not created here and yeah. then apply it into the areas that they're responsible for, such as owned and earned yeah. media. I'm just thinking about that. I think quite often agents, are the, 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 uh, the owners, if you like, of the creative idea or the campaign will come along to a PR agency and go, PR that, please. And quite often that idea just isn't PRable. Mm. It's neither interesting or important. You know, it's not gonna it's not gonna kind of generate attention. No one's gonna want to share it or write about it because it's just an ad, for example, or it's just a you know, it's a creative um, you know, it's from a creative agency and it's not particularly um, newsworthy, let's say. So I think in that moment, good earned media specialists will say, look, we need to make this actually kind of fly. So in order for that to happen. A, gets involved earlier, further down, you know, next time we work together. But B, let's try and um, let's try and put some um, kind of some fuel into this to make it work harder. So they, they won't destroy the idea necessarily, but they will try and be consultative and they will try and um, add their value, I suppose, and add their expertise to make the idea kind of sell harder. And it's, it's a difficult thing because like, you can look at stuff and go, that's really beautiful, but it's not going to or it's really nice, or it looks, you know, it, it feels, you know, I'm, I'm mildly entertained by it, but you're not then going to be able to necessarily get it into news, get it, um, you know, get it into um, sharing and so on. What, what, what you're talking about there, Carl, um, reminds me of this whole dichotomy you see in omni-channel marketing. Yes. You know, where people, there, there's a whole school of thought that to be omni-channel means that the collar and the cuffs have to match. Yes, that's right. right. That everything has to be almost like a visual replication in every channel. That's right. That, you know, the idea 
is not the the central piece. It's the expression of the idea yeah. that counts. Whereas the other groups say, well, it's actually the core idea. Because yes. if you're going to express that as a 30-second TV ad, that's going to be very different to, say, a short-form film or Absolutely. a radio ad yeah. or, a, or whatever. Yeah. And, and inevitably, the traditional agencies, you know, the WPPs of this world and, and, and the, you know, the DDBs of this world and so on, are, are they will argue that you know, their idea is the core idea and that needs to be uh, manifested. It, you know, it needs to be consistent. I think consistency is a word often used um, when you're talking about ideas working through media from those bigger kind of groups. But in actual fact, you just need the, the idea to be coherent. Mm. I don't think it has to be collars and cuffs. Well, I think the reason is that the way they look at it, you know, you walk into a boardroom and someone's gone to the trouble of printing out yes. all of the different things and sticking them up yes. on a wall yes. and they want to see consistency. Yes, yes. But the consumer never sees a messaging like that. Yeah, and no, they'll wake up in the morning no, and the radio no. goes on and they'll hear an ad and then no, that's right. they'll see something on the way in outdoor and that you know, that's it's, right. it's not all put together on a boardroom wall. No, it's not. And and, and, and and ideas just don't exist like that, do they? In in, no. in real life, you're quite right. I think um I think people I mean and also I think you know advertising creativity is a very powerful force. Advertising is actually a relatively weak force. When it when it works, and of course, I've, you know, I've written papers on this, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of powerful, strong advertising that's effective, but it's, for the most part, a relatively inferior weak force. And for the most part, is isn't half as creative, I think, as it could be or should be. Um, and if you look to markets like New Zealand, even the US, UK, you'll see far more kind of creative work working harder for clients. There seems to be a, a reticence quite often in Aussie marketing departments to really push boundaries and to push work into an interesting place, and and I think that's a, you know that's that's a shame. Mm. It, it's funny though, isn't it? Because a lot of it is based around the idea of paid media. Yes, it, it is. means yeah. that I can just ram it down your throat. Yes. until you pay attention. Yes, that's right. Yes, as opposed to owned and earned. And shared, yes. Where you know it's really about the idea being so contagious. Yes, great term to use during a pandemic. Yes, indeed, <laughs> or yeah. viral. Yes, you know? um, but All so so contagious that people actually want to engage with it. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think um, I, I think if, if something is true, I mean, if you look at great great campaigns or great ideas. Um, and let's let's use can as an arbiter of of what's great just for a moment um often the very best ideas have earned at their heart don't they they have a real kind of brilliant component that is able to um either seed the idea or help the idea travel more efficiently and work really hard for those earned and owned channels um and when you i mean i'm just thinking about the obvious things like meet graham uh, from BBDO or the Carrefour work in France last year. Um, those are ideas that travel brilliantly because they have this kind of news component about them. Mm. And it's that that leads the idea into people's kind of hearts and heads. I'm glad you used two examples where there was actually paid yes. advertising yes. Um, <laughs> from, from real advertising oh, clients. Yes. Yes. Because one of the things that always annoys me is when people uh, raise the can. Uh, lines. I know. Yes. They start using examples that are all not for profits. Yes, yes. And the I know. question mark yes. is, well, 
is the only way the agency can produce a piece of work like that is having a client that's not paying for it. Well, that's, yes. And I, I think, I mean, there's a lot to be said there, isn't there, about should, if you have a very good agency that's got a good track record, and there's lots of those agencies in, the, in Australia, you should probably let them get on with their job um, rather than interfere to the extent that you diminish an idea. That said... Um, I've also worked with clients in Australia that have really made the work, they've really kind of optimised and augmented the work and made the idea that much better. So the, the, ideally, you have a, a, a meeting of minds, don't you? Mm. But quite often, um, I think these days, agencies will have lots of interesting ideas and frankly, those ideas can get dumbed down and frankly, you end up kind of putting out the lowest common denominator that's something that's safe. Well, what you're talking about with having a client and an agency working together. Yeah. It's a co-creation. It is, yes. And that requires a level of maturity. Yes, it does. On, especially on the client side. Yes. Which I think often doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, that there, there's so many clients now that are in such precarious positions within their own organisation. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when we look at, you know, the, the publicised uh um, tenure of senior marketers, you know, it's two to three years. Oh, it's nothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and it yeah. makes you wonder, you know, how can you possibly make brave decisions when you're feeling the sand shifting under your feet? <laughs> I know, I get it. I mean, it's, it's not easy. And I've been a client, I've bought difficult work, and I've it suffered as a consequence. You know, it's, it's, it's much easier to take um, the path of least resistance and buy something safe, frankly, that will shift a few intermediate metrics and make everyone kind of go, well, there's nothing to see here. But the point is you need to make work that has to be, you know, there needs to be something to see there. Well, and especially now as we go into the post-COVID-19 Absolutely. recession. Absolutely, yeah. We're I mean, going to have to, marketers, marketers are all saying, how can I achieve more with less? Absolutely right. And that's that's become acute, hasn't it? And do you spend money at the top of the funnel or at the bottom of the funnel? Do you try and split your money accordingly? Do you do, I want to a better phrase, the long and the short of it, um, which is what Mr. Ritson talks about? Do you just kind of hold the tiller and, and kind of hold steady? Or do you try and spend your money in a kind of in a more meaningful way? Do, you know, it's It's going to be super, super tricky, I think, for lots of marketers. And I think and for agencies, and I think it's going to be the solution or where we get to in a year, two, three years' time, it's going to be the tools we use and how we do it will be far more nuanced, I think far more nuanced than some of our some of the commentators are suggesting at the moment. I think there's a quite a sort of binary view on do this, do that, and you'll be fine. But in actual fact, this is, it is, to use that word, unprecedented. It is completely unusual. Um, this is a pandemic. Um, pandemics are, uh, it's created a, an extraordinary environment in which to try and make uh, your brand grow and try and make marketing work. Um, and, we, you know, on top of that, we're going to start seeing different, I think, societal behaviours as well. What do behavioural economists say? They say it takes about 60 plus days for a new habit to form. Mm. So new habits are forming right now that perhaps we haven't thought about, we haven't brought into how we're going to, you know, make them kind of part of our customer journey, and so on and so on. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be super tricky. The other thing it seems to have done is accelerated a lot of the changes that we'd already seen. Yeah, you know, there was yeah. this move towards uh, 
online e-commerce and online retailing. Yes, that's right. There was a yes, move right. to, you know, there's been cocooning around yeah. since the 90s. Yes, that's but, right. You know, cocooning has become a big thing. Um, you know, we've seen the rise, especially in the last few months of the uh, of the you know, home delivery. Yeah, uh, that's the, right. That's the, right. The uh, Uber Eats and things like that. You know, all of these things will will interestingly continue in some shape or form. Yeah, that's right. I think more than ever, homes are sanctuary, aren't they? Um, and that, 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 that theme of cocooning or home as the new sanctuary is going to continue to, to, to kind of grow. But some other things, I think, that have happened as well in terms of strategies uh, kind of falling by the wayside, let's say, things like brand purpose, which I think loads of people have banged on about, forever and it drives me mental Simon Sinek lovely man that he is uh, and a very smart man he's made a lot of money you know much more than I have but god the brand purpose thing drives me a bit mad so I think now people are going actually you know purpose has got to get real what's your action like what are you actually fucking doing excuse my French rather than what are you um rather you've got some sort of marketing led highfalutin you know, higher order yeah. nonsense. Well, you, you've raised something that uh, as soon as you said brand because yeah. <laughs> I actually, you know, when I read uh, uh, Built to Last. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. He talks about purpose there, but organisational purpose. Yes. Why which does is a the brand... company exist? Yes. It's a very right? different thing, isn't it? And then and then brand becomes, you know, and, and we Unilever, everyone talks about, you know, uh, Dove, Yep. beauty and real natural beauty yep. and and uh, axle links yes, yep. depending on what market you're in yep. but their brand their brand purpose in quotes right yeah at the core of unilever is a very clever and quite focused strategy around sustainability mm, mm. you know producing a company that has the least amount of impact mm, mm. if anything to to then help the communities mm, that mm. they serve yeah yep. now to me that is the purpose that needs to then permeate out through those various absolutely. brands. Absolutely. Not creating purposes around in these satellite brands. No, that's right. And so companies where the brand and the and the company yeah. are the same thing yeah. are more likely to be able to get to a unified purpose. Because yes. that purpose would come from the exist why the company exists. Yeah. Right? That's right. And it would be beyond just to create shareholder value. There has to be some other reason. Yeah. Which is one one of the reasons why I liked Built to Last because what it looked at was what was the core purpose? What is the core purpose of Disney? Yeah. You know, Walt had yeah. a very clear view about, you know, it was magic. Yeah, that's it right. It was making magic live in people's lives. That's right. And when his brother took over after Walt's death, he didn't have that as the purpose because all of the books say he kept saying, well, what would Walt do? He was second guessing mm what his uh, brother would do Mm -hmm. rather than actually having the purpose Mm. as core of the business. Mm -hmm. You know, I think Mm. founders often have a purpose that drove them to start a company. Yeah, yeah. And and that has to become, that has to be able to create legacy. I think if if your mandate is these days is just make money, ultimately that's that's not going to that's not going to not going to wash and unfortunately i think lots of agencies um that really is their purpose they might talk about creativity and so on but really they are trying to make money especially when you're publicly listed absolutely you, know, you, absolutely. you have to answer yeah to absolutely absolutely but again going back to built to last yes he says profit is to business yes what 
breathing is to humans. Yes. You don't live to breathe. But if you don't breathe, you die. Yes. And a business has to make profit oh, God, to yeah. live. Yes, yeah, right? yeah. But it's not the reason it exists. No, it has. there have to be other things. That's why I like, um, I don't know if you come across John Grant, his writings around, he was writing about kind of greener marketing and, and good, um, good, and not in a kind of puerile way, in a, in a meaningful way, um, back in 2004. And climate has become a very big thing again, particularly during COVID, actually, where people have gone, actually, if we can mobilise, if, if countries can mobilise in the way they have done around COVID, why can't we do the same around climate, which is a reasonable question. Mm-hmm. And John's got a new book, which is, I'm not that I'm plugging it for him. Um, he's not paid me, but it's a great book about sustainable um, brands, sustainable marketing. And I think it's, it's absolutely right right now that businesses need to think about of how they endure in other ways beyond just making money, to your point. Mm. So he talks a lot about, um, uh, you know, inevitably he'll talk about brands like Patagonia that are a great example. We all know Patagonia. But he talks about lots and lots of other examples also mm. that are doing their damnedest to create sustainable brands and sustainable marketing, which mm. I think is perfect. It's interesting, though, because we're going back to well, we the are. past. Because we are, the original, yeah. you know, the original corporations... Yeah were actually set up and it was a privilege given to individuals Mm. as long as they acted in the good of the community. Mm -mm. And it was only when the corporation was given an identity Mm. as as separate from the humans that ran it Mm -mm. that suddenly that that was lost, Mm. that the corporation could make decisions Mm -mm. and do things without the individuals who were making those decisions being accountable. Yes, so we lo- that's where it lost its humanity. Yes. If anyone wonders where business lost its humanity, it's yeah. when we allowed companies to be entities in their own right because that entity relied on the ethics of the people but wasn't enshrined in law. No. There was no, there was no consequence. And we, we, you're seeing that now, aren't you? I mean, you're seeing that play out in a very bizarre way in the UK with Dominic Cummings and Boris Johnson, but or not play out, actually, where people are sort of beyond accountability, it would seem. But but you're right, I think, about corporations and the relationship between they and brand and then the individuals running that brand. We've seen with all of the banks, you know, they've been absolutely hauled over, um, uh, you know, over the coals by the Royal Commission. And there have been a few kind of uh, things picked off and a few examples made, but for the most part, they're making more money now you know, than ever. Absolutely, yeah. So um, I think, and that, again, that's why I like John Grant's writing. He he talks, um, he has a very kind of smart, um, uh, I suppose socially community-driven point of view about how brands should behave and how brands should connect. Not just for, you know, not just to, for kind of, you know, greenwash sake, but actually the very opposite for, you know, for the future of the planet's sake. So but it's also the future of those corporations. Because yes, I yeah. think that people are going to be more questioning about the ethics, yeah, yeah. the ethical behaviour of these brands and the companies, the corporations that own them. And I think that is something that sort of undulates, isn't it? That notion of um, kind of look out, you know, make sure you kind of keep things tidy in your cupboard and don't let, you know, make sure those skeletons aren't there and, and be decent and trade properly and be a proper sort of corporate human. All of those things um, are going to become more and more important, I think. More and more important. My concern is that the industry 
keeps doing things like questioning whether all of this actually adds to the bottom line. It always yeah. comes back to this. Well, that, that, yeah. yeah. Consumers uh, say that they'll pay more for brands that act ethically. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. Yes, and and just amongst certain segments, they say That's yes, right. and then everyone, you know, That's everyone right. goes bullshit. Yes, um, yeah, yes. because yeah. we've know that uh, the difference between asking someone what they're going oh, to gotcha. do and actually yeah, what yeah. they're going yeah, yeah. to do is That's totally right. different. That's right. But but it's more important than just about creating profit. I mean. Yeah, you know, if we go back to the argument that you have to be profitable. Yes. Right? But how much profit do you have to make, first yes. of all? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. H- how much becomes obscene profit? Yes, yeah. And what is the responsibility of the corporation? Because I remember talking to the people about uh, Cadbury, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, in Bourneville, mm-hmm. they actually built houses for the workers mm-hmm. and they created a very high standard of living mm-hmm. because the company was reinvesting back into... Its community. And, it's, and, it's, and that was driven yeah. by the religious beliefs of the owners of the company. Yeah. And that's a, that's a fantastic example, isn't it? I think in the 90s, um, the notion of things being triple bottom line, that, that kind of phrase emerged, didn't it, about companies that would... You know, be good for people, planet, and and, and had a great product as well. Mm. Um, and Cadbury was an example of that um, before it was bought, and it's been bought by Mumbai now, hasn't it? But mm-hmm. it's um, I think those examples of where kind of community and citizenship um, and 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 relationship and profit all kind of meld together are fewer and fewer between. Um, and we were touching on this when we earlier about the notion of the corporate the corporate brand. Um, being inseparable from the the real brand, um, where, where it is the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I understand where Mondelez and and uh, Unilever and Procter and Gamble and Nestle. Yeah, because they have a corporate brand, which is yes. I just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. And then hundreds, yes, literally hundreds of other brands. Yes, yeah. That are largely in the consumer's mind disconnected. Yes, you know. So they have a what's it a house of brands or a yeah a house, a house of, of brands, brands yeah, rather right, than yeah. a branded house. Yes, you, know, you go to Kellogg. Yes, every single product yep. has Kellogg. Yeah, every dollar that you spend on any sort of marketing promotion is going to be building the Kellogg brand. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Now I just want to go back to something you yep. said. It's going to be a challenge for marketers. And agencies. Yeah. Specifically, what do you see as the challenge for agencies in, it, it, in sort the of coming next out. three to five years? Well, that's a huge question. I, I think um, I think it's going to be increasingly hard to kind of fight the good fight. I think where costs are, you know, are constantly going to be looked at, where money gets tighter and tighter, you know, budgets, we constantly hear budgets are being reduced. Procurement tells us that. That we see it ourselves, I think it's going to be harder and harder to um, fight for original creativity. I think it will be easier to take the path of least resistance and put up ideas that kind of just get out and, and are, are kind of um, bought into because they're safe. I think it's going to be harder and harder to push um, truly distinctive, bold, original ideas. Mm. Um, and I think, and that's obviously a shame. I think as we emerge out of COVID, I think where we can see things that are um, potentially interesting, we can see trends like the passion economy, um, we can see things like 
um, the extent to which persuasion has had to become hypersensory with fashion brands and so on. We can see the the real evolution of online retail. All of those things are interesting, um, but I think agencies are going to be increasingly kind of distanced from those from those things, and they're going to struggle to make a mark. Um, and that's a shame again because it's it's my industry, you know, it's my work in. Mm. I love communication. I love brands. I, I think they're a, a, a brand is an extraordinary thing. It's an incredible um, advantage for a business. But unfortunately, we don't seem to love them uh, as we should. And we don't seem to be able to sustain them um, and treat them as they should be treated. I find it interesting that uh, Sir Martin Sorrell, yeah. who is, you know, the architect of WPP. Yes. And is now the architect of S4 Capital. Yes, that's nice. nice has name. done a complete pivot. Yeah, from a company that's all about building brand value. Yeah, to a company that's all about driving business yeah. growth. Yes. Yeah. He talks about uh, the role of data. He talks about the role of digital and how that the future is going to be all about those two yeah. as a way of of building growth for businesses. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We've got much of the rest of the uh, of the ecosystem of advertising are still very much creativity and brand building. Yeah, they are. They are. Aren't they? And, and then they bolt on much of what he's talking about. Now, I think he's separated the two. That's dangerous because you'll end up with a stream that's all about short-term growth yep. and milking all of the potential out yeah. of the marketplace yeah. and then the other team will be over here and they'll be largely fighting for a share of budget yeah 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 you know? do you see a way of bringing the two together well i think great i mean great great marketing and and it's it's increasingly hard to sort of see brilliant marketing but great great marketing should do should pull both of those things together it absolutely should do it should be able to activate um, and inspire and connect both at the sort of top and bottom of the funnel. Um, to separate them is what agencies have been doing for a very long time, actually, whether it's digital or direct or above the line or media. I, I think that that model of, of separation and segmentation has been happening for a long time. So perhaps Sorrel is just adding to a segmentation that was already in place. Mm. But um, the smart places, the interesting places right now, and they're, and they're few and far between, um, there's a little agency called Where Bear Meets Eagle on Fire, which is a brilliant name. Um, it's Michael Walker's uh, agency. They're doing interesting, really interesting stuff, I think, because they are pushing things together. They're taking different channels, different ideas, and crunching them together. And it's in the crunch, it's in the collision, that interesting things happen, I think. Mm. Um, and hopefully, uh, this is the day we'll get to a place where it's doing that sort of work um, with and for people also. Well, Carl, um, I've just noticed the time. Yes. We've, it's been a fascinating conversation. Well, thank you for having uh, me. And, and all the best thank for you. uh, your new venture, which is This Is The Day. Um, I'm just wondering before you go, <laughs> do you think that there is a time now for the independent agencies to rise? Mm -hmm.